is dyslexia? It's a very complex disorder, but in its most basic definition, it's a reading disorder where an individual's level of reading is lower than what we would expect based upon their IQ and their level of education. Reading is a complex activity. At the most basic level of reading, we need to understand and recognize the individual letters. We need to know the phonemes or the sounds that letters make. And we need to link these sounds to the visual letters they correspond with. This linking of letters to sounds is called the grapheme phoneme principle. For example, the letter A makes an ah sound and is used in the beginning of the word apple. To read fluently, we need to be able to apply and to integrate those skills. But how do we do this? To put all these basic skills together requires the use of multiple complex neurological systems. There have been three key systems or areas identified in the reading process. One anterior system, meaning located in the front of the brain, called Broca's area. And two posterior areas, meaning located in the back of the brain, the parietal temporal and the occipital temporal areas. The first system, Broca's area, is located in the anterior frontal gyrus, or just by the temple. Broca's area plays an important role in vocabulary and has been shown to contribute to the articulation of words and the understanding and recognizing of whole words. The second area that has been identified is the left parietal temporal area, which is located above the back of the left ear. The left parietal temporal area helps to decode words using phonemes. It is believed that when reading whole words, this area is responsible for reconstructing the words from the smaller sound packages that they contain. The final area that has been identified is the occipital temporal area, located behind the ears towards the back of the head. The occipital temporal area is referred to as the visual word form area. This area is still poorly understood, but it's believed that towards the middle and on the right side of the brain, this area helps with the memory of word forms. And on the left side, it is believed to help map the phonological components of words their visual letters. When reading, we use the left occipital temporal area to create and understand the link between the letters and their sounds, establishing the grapheme phoneme principle. Brain imaging studies have shown us that the two posterior systems, the parietal temporal and the occipital temporal area, are underdeveloped in people with dyslexia. Dyslexics show little or no activation when reading in either area on the left side of the brain. The underactivation of the posterior systems supports the theory that dyslexic people have a deficit in their phonological system. Their brains aren't able to properly identify phonemes or to make the connections between phonemes and the visual letters. During brain scans of children with dyslexia, we also see an overactivation of Broca's area, suggesting that children with dyslexia are using whole word processing in an attempt to compensate for the deficit in the phonological system. We now know that dyslexia is a neurological deficit but what about adults who have dyslexia who have achieved high levels of reading? Adult dyslexics who have learned to read despite their disability are often referred to as compensated readers. Although these individuals are able to read, the task often remains effortful and tiring. When we look at the brain scans of these adults, we see that they are using a different neurological system for reading than typical readers. Just as with children with dyslexia, compensated readers show more activation in Broca's area than typical readers. In addition, compensated readers also show a unique pattern of activation in the occipital temporal region, showing activation in the middle and on the right side of the occipital temporal area of the brain, whereas typical readers show activation on the left side. 
This links to the idea that compensated readers are using a neural detour, bypassing phonological understanding, and relying on memory to achieve reading. In essence, when they read, they are not truly decoding the phonemes, but using whole word processing and memorizing the appearance of words. So that doesn't mean that dyslexic people will never be able to read. The adults who would have been tested would have been taught using historical interventions, which we now know aren't as effective as what we would have originally hoped. So with our information about brain systems and about brain structures, we're able to identify the most effective interventions. What we do is we compare a brain scan of a dyslexic person before intervention to a brain scan after intervention, and we can identify if there's any neurological changes. When we pair that with a reading assessment, we're able to really identify the best ways to teach dyslexic people how to read. The most effective strategies for helping dyslexic children learn to read are based in phonics. Dyslexic students who completed intensive training in phonics showed more improvement in reading than dyslexic students who received a variety of other reading interventions. Not only was there an improvement in reading, but we started to see a change in brain activation. Brain imaging studies show us that after training, dyslexic children showed activation in the brain's phonological system, the left parietal temporal and the occipital temporal areas. What this tells us is that although dyslexic children frequently have many difficulties, the majority of dyslexic children will greatly benefit from phonics training. So when designing a teaching program for dyslexic children, one should always include a component of phonics training to help children create the links that their brains are failing to do so on their own. same for example B and D or they may mix up their lefts and rights since they are unable to read the words it may take them longer to comprehend and it may also affect when bigger words are used in a book or in context here's another definition according to the internet according to neurohealth Com. Dyslexia is a learning disability hinders individuals' ability to read by affecting spelling, writing, and comprehension. Dyslexia is not a learning disability that children will grow out of. It is so important to pressure a diagnosis and strategies to move in the reading ability. Anyone can be diagnosed with dyslexia, although the testing process is different for adults than children. Often individuals with dyslexia can be very creative and intelligent, yet they will struggle with basic reading. This is according to neurohealth.com. Also make sure if you're in a college class to get a letter so you can get your accommodations. In football, the Tigers will have a shot to get over 500 this year as they go for six and seven and six but Missouri will be out with some key players. I don't know what the arm enforceable is, but okay. You may get a good look at it the future as Brady Cook will start over Connor Bazelak, who has struggled this year. I think Bazelak may transfer out or will be the backup for the rest of his career as Missouri has another recruit on its way in, in Sam Horn. Brady Cook has been good at times, although the most important player out for Missouri is Tyler Beatty, who has had an amazing season and could be up 
for Heisman. If Missouri was better, he could have been up for Heisman, although he is not. He is getting ready for the NFL draft. He is also sitting out because of COVID concerns, I guess, but he's really sitting out because of the draft. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He stayed next year at Missouri because of the eligibility due to COVID. Army is favored by eight and a half. Kick is at kick is at eight and seven central. Against Colorado, got a late cancellation due to COVID in the Colorado program. Mizzou will play the Illini in basketball because Mizzou stinks, and they Illini are favored by fourteen because Mizzou stinks. Tip off is at nine on the Big Ten Network. Weekend, they're about to get to those conference games. So when we talk about it, Kansas, K State, and Mizzou, who do you think is going to have more conference wins? Is it going to be Kansas or K State and Mizzou combined? Jason. Take this one away. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas, and that's simply because of Mizzou. So K-State will do their fair share. I think Mizzou will probably bring up the rear there, and I know they just beat Utah, and that was a nice win. They needed something positive to happen for that Mizzou team after the embarrassment last Saturday. But the SEC is the best and deepest conference in college basketball, whether the Big 12 fans want to admit that or not. It is. And there aren't many wins that are there for Mizzou. Unless Council Martin gets the thing turned around quickly, it's going to be Kansas in the Big 12 winning it yet again. And Kansas State can pick up some wins, but K-State and Mizzou aren't going to combine for more wins than Kansas is going to have in their conference. Brutal for Tiger fans here today. Josh, do you agree? Is it going to be Kansas that has more conference wins with K-State and Mizzou combined? I wanted to go the other way. It felt more fun, <laughs> but I don't believe it. Yeah, because here's the thing. I'll also stand up and fight for the Big 12 as a conference a little bit, which is going to go ahead and limit KU a little bit. KU's not going to run the table in the Big 12. K-State's going to take their lumps, but I think Jason's right. What right now would make you think that Mizzou basketball is going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain? You get a 500-inch K-State and a 500-inch uh, Mizzou in their respective conference records, then all of a sudden you can take their side, and I just don't see it. I think KU, despite an imperfect start to this season, is clearly among the best teams in not just the conference, but in the nation right now. I'll, I'll take the KU side. All right, Nate, you're going to join the other two? You taking the KU side, or are you going to stick with the Tigers and the Wildcats? Uh, I'm going to have to give the consensus answer, right? It's, it's the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, they are very talented. And, yes, I, I watched them dismantle Missouri uh, a week ago. But, look, the only competition, I believe, in the Big 12 for Kansas is Baylor, right? Um, I'm looking forward to those sort of matchups. But I think Kansas has the best chance in the conference actually to run the table if they can get by Baylor. So I'm going to give it to the Jayhawks. They should be a one seed, in my opinion, when the NCAA tournament begins. Um, but for Missouri, for Kansas State, uh, Kansas State can really come down to, hey, can they, can they reach the bubble? At some point later in February, early March for Missouri, it's really looking forward to the next recruiting class, in my opinion. <laughs> Stab at this question. Kansas is number seven. Missouri is not ranked. They stink at basketball. K-State is average. They're okay. But Missouri's not good. So Kansas State's okay. So KU's going to win more games in basketball. That's it. That's all. This is Sam Vaughn for Sam Sports Report. Learning Disability Day for COVID news on the Chiefs and Bears and Steelers. Stay tuned.